We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Alexander, got it! Very nice early post up by Adams working inside. Whistle and one! Oh! And T. Ferg rocking the rim! What is up, everybody? Welcome to the uncontested post-game podcast edition. I'm your host for tonight, Justin. The Thunder demolish the Atlanta Hawks tonight, 140 to 111. They did so again without Stephen Adams or Terrence Ferguson or Abdul Nader or Andre Robertson. If you are keeping track at home, OKC is now a season best eight games over 500. Absurd. Here at the Uncontested, we are proudly part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. If you don't already, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star rating because we'd really appreciate it uh, and love you forever, more so than we already do. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore uncontested and on Facebook at the Uncontested Podcast. Coming into tonight, yes, The Atlanta Hawks have struggled this season, but they'd won three of five, including a big win over the Clippers. So they'd been playing pretty well, um, but they're still not a very good team. Uh, It felt like a game that should be a win for the Thunder. The first night of a back-to-back playing the Hawks in Oklahoma City before tomorrow, heading up to Minnesota to play the Timberwolves. This felt like one that you wanted to see the Thunder get. And they did. Uh, They put down a season-high 140 points. They did so behind 58% shooting from the floor, 56% shooting from three. Uh, Absolutely absurd video game level numbers for Oklahoma City on the offensive end tonight. It's the first time that Oklahoma City has scored 30-plus in all four quarters this season. Uh, That stat comes 
per Thunder PR, which makes me sound very important and official when I get to say things like that. But really, I just got a screenshot from Taylor, so he's the important one. But really, when you look at that final score, 140 to 111, if you didn't watch the game or if you tuned in late, you'd be primed to think that Oklahoma City came in and just blew the Hawks out. But that doesn't quite tell the whole story. Uh, So if you didn't get to see the whole game, uh, what happened early on was a fairly competitive game. Um, Oklahoma City came out to a big lead. They were up 10 to 2 right out of the gate. But the Hawks really kept it close. and not because of who you might think. Trey Young played a pretty abysmal uh, first half. Trey Young uh, probably thanks in, in small part to uh, Lou Dort, though Lou Dort didn't do all the work on the defensive end on Trey Young. Uh, two of 10 shooting from the floor, one of five from three, only 11 points at halftime. Good defense on him overall by the Thunder, uh, more so in the first half. But it was John Collins and Cam Reddish who really were punishing Oklahoma City in that first half and really kept the Hawks in it. John Collins had 17 points on 8 of 9 shooting at halftime, and Cam Reddish 13 points on 5 of 6 shooting at halftime. So not really a defensive clinic. Uh, Oklahoma City had an 8-point lead at halftime, but the first half of the third quarter was pretty ugly, and it looked like Oklahoma City was headed towards another one of those kind of rough third quarters that have seemed to be popping up more so lately. And it really just kind of had a feel like, okay, is the Thunder really going to come out and lose to the Hawks? Like, is that what's going to happen? We're going to lose to the Hawks now? Thankfully, the answer to that's no, and it was really the second half of that third quarter that kind of changed the game. Oklahoma City exploded for 38 points in the quarter, with 27 of those coming in the final five and a half minutes of the third quarter. So kind of after that halfway point, they really turned it on. A lot of the damage was coming from three-point range. OKC shot seven of nine from three in the third quarter. Seven of nine. Uh, Unbelievable stretch for OKC. It put them up big heading into the fourth, and they never looked back. Oklahoma City, from the point that the lead was cut to one, went on a 63-35 to run to close out the game. Really, really convincing win, a good win for Oklahoma City on the first night of a back-to-back where you can get your starters some rest in the fourth quarter, let the bench guys kind of close this thing out so you can be a little more fresh for the game against Minnesota tomorrow. And speaking of the bench, uh, what a huge part of this victory for Oklahoma City tonight. 58 points off the bench for the Thunder. I'm going to say that again. 58 points. When you score 140, you know you're going to get a lot of points from the bench. But 58 points is very impressive from this group. And really, it was pretty evenly distributed. Dennis Schroeder, 21. Muscala, 14. Baisley, 11. Diallo, 9. Burton and Hervey really only got in for garbage time. But even Burton put in three points. Unfortunately, Kevin Hervey... Uh, zero points for the recently called up two-way player. I want to start with Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder, pretty masterful game. He had a rough start. Uh, I think he started like 0 of 2 or 0 of 3 from the floor. He had a couple turnovers. Uh, He had his, you know, kind of trademark foul 90 feet from the basket on Trey Young. It looked like he was pressing a little bit. But after, you know, maybe the first few minutes of the game that he saw, he really played solid. And I think that has become a trend for Schroeder. He's freaking good. Uh, He could start for a lot of teams in the league 
Dennis Schroeder, 21 points, eight assists tonight. Played really balanced overall. It didn't feel like he was forcing things aside from the very beginning of the game, like I mentioned. Um, Schroeder shoots eight of 16 from the floor, three of four from three. He also tacked on three rebounds for good measure. And I really do think that I start to wonder about his trade value. You know, as we've gotten closer to the trade deadline, his name has not come up as much as it had maybe early in the season when we were speculating about what Thunder players might be tradable. But I think as we've gotten closer and as he's continued to play at really kind of a career best level for him, uh, his his market value is at an all-time high. And it, I think it's going to be hard for Presti to not at least you know entertain the idea of seeing what he can get for Dennis Schroeder. I think more and more teams are going to come calling I think there's a lot of teams that could use a Dennis Schroeder uh, in their point guard role. He would be an upgrade from a lot of point guards around the league, not just a solid backup, but a starting caliber point guard in the league. So it'll be interesting to watch. Trade deadline is fastly approaching. Uh, we've talked a lot about other guys that we think you know make sense uh, for for Thunder to potentially trade, but I think Dennis Schroeder could be a, another target that maybe hasn't been discussed quite as much as of late. I also want to highlight uh, Darius Baisley. Baisley had a really solid night. I mentioned the 11 points. He had some good moves. He just continues to show a really impressive feel for the game for a guy who's 19 years old. 11 points on 5 of 7 shooting. He also tacked on 5 rebounds and 1 assist in 20 minutes on the floor tonight. Uh, he still makes some mistakes. He's a rookie. Uh, he, he's not playing flawless basketball, nor would I expect him to. But he had a nice uh, move towards the basket, uh, some really good footwork, some really good handling of the ball that I think is just pretty impressive for a kid that's 19 and a kid that didn't play college basketball. You know, this is his first truly competitive basketball in over a year. And I think I've, I've continued to be impressed by watching Baisley play, and I'm excited to see where his ceiling is. Now, while the bench was super impressive, we also have to talk about the starters, because when you score 140 points, there's a lot of people contributing. None maybe more so than Danilo Gallinari. 25 points tonight on 7 of 10 shooting. 10 shots. 25 points on 10 shots. Unbelievable night from Gallo. Uh, The rooster goes 4 of 6 from behind the arc. Uh, was absolutely in fuego. Like I mentioned, that third quarter where the Thunder went 7 of 9 from 3 overall. Uh, Gallo had a couple big ones in there, and it was it was phenomenal. It really turned the game around. He's such an efficient scorer. I talked about Schroeder's trade value just continuing to kind of, it starts to feel like you know money burning a hole in your pocket. That's how Gallo's starting to feel. Like there are so many teams that could use the scoring burst that Gallo brings, Teams that might be looking to make that playoff push, a championship push, look for that piece that's going to put them over the edge. Gallo makes so much sense. Do I want to see the Thunder trade Gallo? That's a harder question. Uh, This team has been so much fun to watch. It's going to be sad uh, if and when they most likely get kind of dismantled and it gets broken up because they've just been a blast. Uh, tonight's game was fun. The close games are fun. It's been a super enjoyable season, kind of watching this team and their team chemistry and the dynamic that they have. And Gallo's a big part of that. But I also think you're playing the long game. 
this is still reposition and replenish. Uh, we are still looking at the future for this franchise and Sam Presti is still looking at the future for this franchise. So while as much fun as Gallo is on this team now and could be as they head towards a playoff push, I also think his trade value is probably peaking at the right time, similar to Schroeder's. So if his value is peaking, it might make sense to trade him. There's also the possibility, I know it's been discussed on our podcast as well as some others um, and elsewhere in the internet universe, that you potentially try to sign Gallo and trade in this summer. I love that option because you get to kind of play out this year and see what happens with a playoff run. Do I think this team is a legitimate championship contender? Not necessarily. Uh, I don't really think that that, uh, that the team has a ceiling that's quite that high, but it would be fun regardless. So I would love to see him stick around. Somebody who is going to stick around, Shea Gilgis Alexander, 24 points, Six assists tonight, just masterful. Uh, Shea continues to do four or five things every game that just make my jaw hit the floor. He is a absolute joy to watch play basketball. I feel like I mention it every time I talk about Shea, but just the contrast of styles from what we've seen from Russell Westbrook for the last decade is it's so fascinating to watch. Because while Westbrook just always kind of went at full speed like a cannonball, Shea's much more uh, poetic. He kind of glides around, but he also has this quality where it's a little bit, uh, he's got a good kind of start-stop. He can kind of lull you to sleep thinking he's just going to glide, and then he'll hit you with a change of direction or change of speed really quick that really catches the defenders off guard and allows him to get great shots. Uh, Billy Donovan had some quotes tonight after the game where he alluded to he feels like SGA is really kind of evolving his game in the drive and kick. Whereas earlier in the season, he was much more focused on like the drive and score. I love to see that evolution. The six assists, uh, he's had a string now a few games in a row where he's had some good assist totals. I think continuing to see that number to rise, knowing that the Thunder will most likely ask him to play more of that traditional point guard role moving forward, especially after a CP3 trade. Uh, I think that seeing that assist number climb is really encouraging out of SGA. He kept getting to the basket, though. While he was driving and passing more, he just kept scoring over and over and over at the rim tonight. Now, a lot of that has to do with the Hawks just having absolutely abysmal interior defense. They average 117 points allowed per game. And it's easy to see why. Uh, the, the lane is wide open. Noel was feasting. Lots of alley-oops. Uh, Hami had some dunks. Everybody was kind of getting what they wanted inside. And it's really, the Hawks just don't have that rim protector. I think it's why you've heard them kind of floated out there for so many center talks, including Steven Adams. And really kind of seeing it firsthand tonight, watching the Hawks <laughs> and their defense, it's obvious to see why uh, names like that get floated around. I think Steven Adams would make a lot of sense for the Hawks. I think he would be a good fit. The question would be, what did the Thunder get in return? Based on the way that uh, Cam Reddish played tonight, I wouldn't hate seeing him come back in a Thunder uniform if that trade were to go that way. But outside of him, there's not a ton of super enticing assets for the Hawks. So that would be the challenging part, in my opinion, as far as making a deal for Adams to Atlanta, like we've heard kind of floated a few times. Let's also talk about CP3. 
18 points, six rebounds, five assists tonight. The dude is addicted to buzzer beaters. How many games this season has it felt like CP3's hit a buzzer beater? Not necessarily at the end of the, end of the game, though we know he's been super clutch, but the end of the quarter. As much as Russell Westbrook loved to try and get the two-for-ones and then get a shot up at the end of the quarter, I feel like CP3 uh, kind of takes that love and takes it to another level. It just feels like he always hits a shot as the buzzer's going off to end a quarter. He had one tonight, uh, racing down the floor and pulling up for a three from the corner, uh, drained it. He also had another one where he pulled up almost from the same spot and barely drew iron. So it's not all gravy with him. But CP3 it just continues to be an incredibly efficient, solid player for this team. Seeing him go to work, not just behind the arc, but from the mid-range game, getting that old man game, uh, you know, putting some some real life against the uh, cold hard analytical numbers is uh, has been a joy to watch. Lou Dort, normally uh, referred to in the uh, bench unit, third start tonight for Lou Tang. OKC is 3-0 and in games which Lou Dort starts. Lou Dort, just such an energy factor. Uh, but not just like the kind of guy that comes in and like provides a spark but doesn't really contribute anything meaningful. Meaningful. Lou Dort's a dude. Like He's out there making hustle plays, important plays, drawing charges. He drew another charge tonight. Uh, he just seems to be able to be capable of making the smart plays that you need to make as an NBA player. For an undrafted rookie, that's fantastic. His defense has been stellar. And if you think about the roster of guys that Oklahoma City has asked him to guard, Damian Lillard, James Harden, Donovan Mitchell, and tonight Trey Young. And when you talk about Trey Young's numbers in the first half, 11 points at halftime on 2 of 10 shooting, no Dort wasn't guarding him the whole time. But you can't ignore what his contributions on that end of the floor do. He's pesky. He was all over Trey to start the game. He was making him uncomfortable. Trey couldn't find space. He couldn't find his his get to his shots, get to the place where he's comfortable putting up shots. And Lou Dort is just fantastic at that. He's a big NBA-ready body with a huge wingspan. I think he's going to continue to be a factor for this Thunder team, uh, whether he's starting or not. On a transition, uh, I've talked about a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys to talk about, especially when you drop 140 points. I'm going to do a little stock up and stock down. Stock up, Mike Muscala. You were probably wondering why I skipped over him when I talked about the bench impact players. Um, Mike Muscala had the the most impact off the bench, maybe outside of Schroeder. Uh, Muscala, 14 points tonight. Lighten it up from three. He is eight of nine from behind the arc in the last two games. Eight of nine. Presti, flying that plane to Minnesota, uh, this is what he was hoping for. Has it been what we've got? No, not consistently. A little bit of a two-pat syndrome there. I'm hoping that this two-game burst from him can be sustainable and that it's not a flash in the pan, but stock definitely up on Mike Muscala. Stock down, I'm going to put Hamadou Diallo. Diallo didn't play bad tonight. Uh, nine points, as I mentioned. He he gave some some decent minutes. He had a nice flashy dunk like he always does. Didn't put anyone in the dunk tank, which I was disappointed about. But the reason I put stock down for Diallo is the Lou Dort factor. I think Lou Dort provides a little bit of that same kind of energy that Hamadou has typically brought to this team, 
But early on, uh, you know, being his rookie year, I think Lou has a little bit more of the fundamentals down than Hami does, especially on the defensive end. And knowing how Presti and the Thunder organization has always valued defense, I think it's starting to give Dort a little bit of an edge. I don't think he'll you know, immediately jump out and steal all his minutes or anything like that. But it's something to kind of keep our eyes on as we watch this team is kind of that relationship with how those minutes are distributed and who's really kind of bringing that contributing, uh, contributing to these Thunder victories on the floor. It'll be interesting to watch for sure. Moment of the night tonight. Uh, there was a handful of flashing plays that you could choose from. My personal favorite was the SGA finger roll. He cuts across the lane, gets to the basket, throws it up. It hits like the farthest bottom corner of the backboard that it possibly could. But he puts enough English on it that it spins up just enough to get on top of the rim. And then its rotation kind of pulls it through the basket and it goes in. The physics are absurd. It didn't look like it should have been able to go in. But nonetheless, like Shea so often does, uh, he gets the ball through the hoop. And it was fantastic. If you haven't, if you missed the game, if you didn't see it, uh, go check it out on Twitter. I guarantee you'll be able to find it and just watch it over and over and make sure to wipe the drool off the side of your mouth when you're done. Now, let's transition to some Twitter questions. I always ask. You guys always come through. Thank you to everybody who submitted a Twitter question. I'm going to try to get to all of these. If I miss you, I'm sorry. Uh, I promise that it's not on purpose. Uh, we got a lot tonight, and so I'm going to try to move through these in a timely fashion. The first one, at TSAS87. Could you explain today's trade, please? Firstly, why? And secondly, never got my head around cash considerations. Can you explain, please? I'm going to start with the second part because it's the easier part of this question. Cash, cons- cash considerations is money. It's just cash. You can throw it in on a deal trying to incentivize the deal to go through. It doesn't involve a pick, doesn't involve a player. It's just money. Everybody likes money, and it makes the trade go down easier. So you see it a lot. The first part, today's trade. Uh, In case you were in a hole and you didn't see it, uh, today's trade involved the Oklahoma City Thunder sending uh, Justin Patton to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, In return, the Oklahoma City Thunder acquired Isaiah Roby, And Oklahoma City did throw in cash considerations along with Justin Patton. So in case you're wondering where that part of the question factored in. So the why. It's an interesting move. Um, At first, it kind of sparked like, okay, is this going to get Oklahoma City under the tax threshold? We know they've been kind of right about at that tax line. Does this get them under? Well, it doesn't. It gets them closer by a little bit, but not a lot. So really, if I had to guess, and that's all this is, is a guess, I think that the Thunder kind of felt they had seen enough of Justin Patton. They knew what they had. They weren't interested. Uh, Yes, he currently holds the record for the highest scoring game in the G League this season, but when he got recalled to the Thunder immediately after, he got some minutes, didn't translate. He didn't do anything out on the floor. I think that's been kind of the theme from him. I think he still has potential, but I think the Thunder kind of felt it was the time to move on from Patton. Dallas was looking to shed salary. They could cut Patton uh, and, and get his salary off the books, opening up space for the move they made later uh, where they brought in Willie Colley Stein. 
But for Oklahoma City, what they get is Isaiah Roby. It's another prospect. Like I said, I think they saw what they had in Patton. They're ready to try somebody out, somebody else out. Roby is like Presti's prototypical guy. He's a long, lanky wing that can defend really well. He's a little bit offensively challenged. Uh, probably not hard to draw some Andre Robertson comparisons there. But it's really just kind of another chance to evaluate a prospect and see what you can get out of him. I think this is the part of the rebuild that you're going to see a lot of. You're going to see a lot of guys come in and out of this organization. You may not always know why, but they're going to filter through a lot of guys to see who they can find. Find the diamond in the rough um, and, and see who they can discover and kind of turn into somebody that can be a contributor for the team. At Batlin Rise asks, not saying it's likely, but what percentage chance would you give the Thunder of finishing a spot or less behind the Nuggets? What about ahead? So he's referring to the Nuggets have a little bit of a, a tougher schedule coming up, whereas the Thunder schedule actually gets a fair amount easier given what it was. The Nuggets haven't looked super dominant this season. Um, I, I'd probably put that chance at like 25% that the Thunder finish a spot or less behind the Nuggets. I think that as the season gets closer to the deadline, or sorry, its conclusion, as you get closer to the playoffs, I think you're going to see teams kind of turn it on a little bit. I feel like it happens every year, especially after All-Star break. What happens after All-Star break is almost like a totally different season. So I it's tough to make too many judgments based on how teams have played up to this point. I think percentage of the Thunder finishing ahead, I'm going to put that at zero. I don't see that happening. I think it would take an epic collapse from the Nuggets and just like an unbelievable streak of like 12, 15 straight wins for the Thunder or something like that to, to really make that a distinct possibility. But I think it's incredible that we're having this conversation and debating this, and it just shows you what kind of a special season we've had to sit back and watch this year. At MKR2400 asks, what's the team going to do when T-Ferg returns? Has Dort's play earned him more playing time over T-Ferg? That's tough. Um, T-Ferg has been out for personal reasons, but when he's been with the team, he's not looked super impressive. It's not been the greatest season from Ferguson. I think based off the jump he made kind of from year one to year two, there was a lot of anticipation and excitement around around what he might do in year three. I don't think he's quite gotten there. Uh, we haven't seen kind of the level of potential that we hoped to see out of Ferguson this year. And I, I don't know what necessarily one thing to contribute that to. I would like to see Ferg get back to the team to try and find his rhythm again, uh, try and find his footing and kind of get used to being a part of the, the team and, and getting those minutes. I don't know when that'll be. But I do think Dort's playing time has earned him more minutes. I don't think it's earned him more minutes than Ferguson at this point. I think Ferguson has still shown more than Dort has. Dort has played fantastic lately, uh, maybe better than Ferg lately, but all time, I think there's no doubt that, that Ferguson's the better player right now. I don't know if it'll always stay that way, but I think Ferg uh, kind of has earned the right to maintain his role when he returns to the team at Zawific asks, how do you feel about a lineup where Muscala plays alongside Noel or Steven? This obviously in reference to kind of the improved recent play of Mike Muscala. Uh, the moose is loose in Oklahoma city. He's looked solid the last couple games. 
I say the last couple games because you never know. This could be a two-game flash in the pan. It could be an anomaly. Or it could be the start of a turnaround. It's tough to say after kind of two good games whether or not uh, he deserves more minutes, whether or not this is going to be a sustained thing that we see. If it is, if he can shoot the ball outside like he has in the last two games, I have no problem playing him along Noel or Adams because he can bring floor spacing. That's really what you want out of a guy like Muscala. Yes, he can fill kind of the big spot when Noel or Adams are out there, but I think his strength on this team is spacing the floor. And if he can hit down outside shots, that helps open up things for the rest of the guys. But if he's not, then he just kind of mucks things up. And I think that's what we've seen more often than not from Muscala. So if you continue this play, then sure, I'd like to see him out there alongside Noel and Steven just to see how it could work. At Black Dolphin 5 asks, is Adams really being shopped as much as Perkins is talking about? Is that why he has been injured? Also, what are your thoughts on Ferguson's personal issues? Is he going to play another game for the Thunder? Let's start with the Adams question first. I think everyone is being shopped. Everyone not named SGA, maybe Baisley, maybe Dort, maybe Diallo. But outside of that, I think everybody's on the table for Oklahoma City. This is just the reality of where this team is at. And while I don't think Presti's actively looking to try and blow this team up, I think everyone's available for the right price. I think that's the key is for the right price. I think Adams is available. Uh, I don't think he's you know being shopped in the terms of like Oklahoma City's trying to push him off. I don't think they're going to accept anything less than a great deal for Steven Adams. But if you think about the timeline of this team, Adams is a few years older than most of the core pieces of this team. So when this team is kind of reaching its peak level, in theory, of competitiveness again, where they're really pushing for a title, Adams would be in the twilight of his career. Now, there can be value in that. He can be kind of the the wise old sage of the team. He can be the culture setter, not too dissimilar from what Nick Collison was with the last generation of the Thunder. I think he's, he's a great influence. He'd be a great influence on the team if he played that role. He's getting a lot of money to play that role. That's a factor. But I also think he's a better player than Nick Collison ever was. Uh, he has more potential than somebody who's just kind of the wise old sage. So you could get some some actual basketball value out of him. But I also think if he continues to play at a high level, uh, he could be a great center for a lot of teams in the league. And if someone gets desperate enough to give Presti the right assets in return, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that Adams is available for the right move. In regards to Ferguson, I don't want to speculate on personal issues. It gives me a little bit of anxiety just based on how the Abrinas thing went down last season where it starts off as a few games, a short-term deal, and then it ends up being kind of a permanent absence from the team. Similar but not similar with Andre Robertson and his injury. It seems like there's always just kind of a veil of um, vagueness when it comes to stuff like this. Like I never just quite know what's going on. It's not my business to know the details of what's going on. It's nobody's business, frankly. But the last part of your question, is he going to play another game for the Thunder? I think he will. I As much as it kind of like gives me twinges of the Abrina deal or the Robertson deal, I don't think that's what's happening here. I think we'll see Ferguson back. I don't think anybody knows 
when that is. I doubt even Ferguson knows at this point, but I do think that it's coming. At Bring the Thunder asks, is Darius Baisley the next Dominique Wilkins? Buddy, uh, I hope so. <laughs> uh, that would be fantastic. I'm not ready to uh, crown him the human highlight reel just yet, but what we've seen from him recently has been impressive. I think his ceiling is pretty high. I think the the question is just if he can achieve that ceiling. Uh, we don't know. Uh, it'll be fun to watch uh, for everyone's sake. I hope he is Dominique Wilkins uh, 2.0. And last, but certainly not least, my last question tonight, at K Marabian CCM, our own Kamiar, asks, what are your thoughts on Trey Young's hair? I heard something about a sucker and a barber shop. So I made a comment in our Slack during the game tonight. I'm sure a lot of you remember this. If not, uh, prepare to get learned. <laughs> there was an old tweet back when Trey Young was still at Oklahoma <laughs> where somebody said Trey Young's hair uh, looks like a lollipop fell on the ground at the barbershop. And <laughs> I had like actual tears reading that tweet the first time I saw it. But now every time I watch him play since, I cannot get that image out of my head. Uh, I don't know who the first person to tweet that was, but whoever you are, thanks. Uh, thanks for that. That'll do it for us tonight. Thanks for checking us out. Thanks for tuning in. Thunder beat the Hawks. They're back at it tomorrow against the Timberwolves. We'll be back with another post-game podcast after that. And then guess what? The next day is Sunday. And Sunday night, we record our group podcast. That'll be in your feeds Monday morning. Lots more coming your way because basketball never stops. Get excited. Uh, Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media. We will be hanging out with you all for every game this season. I am Justin. I'm on Twitter at OKC Tracker. Go check me out. Go give me a follow. Greatly appreciated. And until we talk again, Thunder Up. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late, and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, and our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com/keepstock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done.